Hey everyone, welcome to part one of episode 11 of Lit Tea. I'm your host, Sabrina Lotfi, and I'm so pleased to be joined today by Kaylee Smith, whose debut young adult novel, A Ruinous Fate, comes out tomorrow, January 3rd. This is a fun one, y'all, and our longest episode to date, so don't forget to check out part two of our interview when you're done. Hi everyone, my name is Kaylee Smith. I am a YA fantasy author and I write just very queer, chaotic fantasy books. I'm super excited to be doing this. I think this is like my first podcast. Yay! I've done a couple of interviews, but this, yeah, this is going to be my first one when it comes out, so I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, that's super exciting. And I love queer, chaotic fantasy. I'm super excited to read your book. So as of recording, I just got the art today. By the time this airs, I will have devoured this thing already. (laughs) I'm super excited about it. Okay, so I have these really fun little would you rathers that I don't ever want to answer for anybody. Would you rather read bad writing but an incredible story or incredible writing but an awful story? Okay, absolutely bad writing but an incredible story. Okay. I think because okay because bad writing is like super subjective right it is that's true so it's like what's bad to like me or anybody else could be like really good to somebody and I feel like craft can always be improved so if you have like the story ideas um I feel like your execution can always get better and make that really good um so yeah also I was raised on fan fiction like that I feel like that's the definite like such good stories from just like all <laughs> over the place that maybe like people aren't like this is literature but like I ate it up in high school <laughs> I, I don't remember what site I used it's been a while since I was in high school and like my early 20s but um I do I remember there were some fan fiction there's an author I can't remember the author's name either but there's a book I think about every once in a while that I read on one of those websites and I'm like I wonder what that looks like now and like I wonder what they're doing I like I wonder if I've read some of their other books that I didn't even know and connect but no so true I feel like that has happened to me a few times actually like I'll um pick up like an indie book or something from like Kindle Unlimited and I'm like this feels so familiar and I'm like I swear I read this back when it was just like on fanfiction.net and I'm like good for you yeah I'm so happy (laughs) oh that's awesome okay if you could only read one would you rather read the first page or the last page I am a last page person um yes I read the last page of every book (laughs) before I start it I've always done that oh my gosh you do it first I do um it's so much chaos yes and it's like I've always loved it people (laughs) fuss at me sometimes but I love that which is actually why I intentionally make my last pages like the most chaotic page of my books because I'm like ooh, I'm on to y'all like last page readers <laughs> that's you that's awesome that's hilarious <laughs> okay that's interesting do you um is it just the last page you don't do like the last chapter or anything nope I just do the last page okay what if it's real short and it's only like three lines do you do like the page and that line I was gonna say I'll just do like the very short ones yeah because it happens sometimes it'll just be like the half of the last sentence Mm -hmm. but I'm like that's all I give myself so like whatever it is okay that's really cool okay what book made you a reader okay so honestly Twilight um and (laughs) 
Yeah. It's okay. it's kind of like it's like one of those things that I think like looking back and the reader and person I am now, there's like a lot to critique there and like there's a lot of conversations that have come out with like the phenomenon of Twilight, mm-hmm. but like it's undeniable. I was in sixth grade and I wasn't like a huge reader. Like, um I had like my grandfather always read to me and Howl's Moving Castle was my favorite. So like I had read that book probably upwards of like 30 times by the time I but like I I just like wasn't looking to read. Like I didn't really care about it. And then I read Twilight and I swear something just unlocked in my mind. It was just like, wait. I can, like, do this, like, full adventures, like, movies playing in my head with books, and I just never stopped after that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll give credit where credit is due. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's really funny. I actually laughed when you said that at the very beginning because I just recorded my interview with Courtney Kay, and her book was also Twilight, and we had a really awesome yes. chat about it, so yeah. <laughs> yes. There's just, there was just something, of, it was just like massively consumable, you know what I mean? It was, and it, it unlocked a lot, like a lot of writers' brains as well. It, mm-hmm. I feel like it took young adult as a category to a different level. Yeah, it was huge in the industry too, to like kind of like go from that teen section that they used to have to like having an actual young adult section. Like mm-hmm. there were like several books that did that, but like Twilight definitely played a role mm-hmm. in that. Um so yeah, no for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you mentioned three what what breed did you say? You have three dogs. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I do. I have three dogs. Um they're all Australian shepherds. Oh cute. What are their names? So I have um my sorry, my phone just rang. Um the my our oldest is named kai and then we have um two girls and it's ophelia and delphine um which you will see in my books um and i am not sorry about that because uh i i think it's so cute i'm like every time i open i'm like there's like my puppy's names (laughs) there's your babies yeah that's so cute oh that's awesome oh that's really funny and then what other kind of hobbies and interests do you have outside of reading and writing? Honestly, napping. Um, oh, I love napping. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> my partner always likes to say that like napping is absolutely like 90% of my personality. Um, he's not wrong. I love napping. Um, I also, I just, I love astrology and oh, cool. um, yeah, like any, I don't know. I don't, I don't do a ton. Like, which... I don't know if that's sad or not, but, like, I love my house. I love being a homebody, and I like to just, like, read, write my little books, and I'll just, like, you know, do my do my projects for my day job because um, they're graphic designer. So it's kind of like art isn't even really a hobby anymore. You know, like, it's my job. So I don't know. I'm just chilling. I have a homebody, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm, I feel like my mind is constantly working like when it is on these days, like creatively that I'm just like, I love just silence. Um, <laughs> or like, yeah, doing something where I like don't have to think and I can think about something that's already been thought about. Exactly. I'm a big TV or like, yes. Yeah. book book reader fan. I've been, I've gotten really into audiobooks lately, which is nice because I can just absorb. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and my eyes have they're done so many words. Oh man, my the fact that my eyesight, how bad it is, is because of reading. Um, it's just so funny. I'm like, well, that's that's it, right? That's the uh, price you pay, kind of. <laughs> right. I know. I have. I've been super into audiobooks. It's pretty much been like 
all I do lately. Oh, I love that. I had never been like an audiobook person until they like we started my audiobook, and then I was like, wait, there's something here. And then um, it's cool. I've been like <laughs> dipping my yeah, I've been like dipping my toes into it. Um, I have a couple audiobooks right now, and I'm like, I kind of love this. It's very fun. Ooh, I'm really excited to hear your audiobook. Okay, cool. Oh, it's gonna be a blast. Yeah. Is it multi voices? It is. It oh, is. Yay. Yes. I, when we got started on it, they asked me, they were like, they asked me just for a description of like one reader. And I was like, "Mm, besties, I'm going to give you some more ideas. (laughs) And I've just learned in publishing very quickly that if you just ask for things, like they'll probably do it. They haven't told me no yet. They did. Well, they did. I did ask for Zendaya. Um, and they did tell me no to that, but (laughs) but they gave me multiple (laughs) They gave me another uh, voice actor um, for like the the split POVs, all the the boys, and then um, Kala and her her friends. I was like, you know what? I'll take Yay. it. Oh, that's super <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Okay, I'm gonna read the arc and then I'm gonna do the audiobook when it releases. Yes. yes. Are they releasing the same day? You know what? I don't know. Sometimes I just don't find out things. Like I will, um, I will get the sweetest messages from followers on Twitter going, "Oh my god, did you see your book is here or here or whatever?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, thanks." Yeah, I was like, (laughs) "Thanks for sending it to me." Nobody told me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So so not sure yet. I feel like a lot of people find out things like that. Like I'm always surprised when people are like, "My book's on sale," and it's usually because like a friend saw it or something, or they looked. That happened to me yesterday. Someone someone texted me and was like, hey, your book's on sale on Target.com right now. And I was like, oh, well, that's fun. I was like, cool, happy buying. Uh, I did not know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really pretty common, I think. <laughs> if everybody's so busy, it's hard to get all the info out, I think. And yeah, totally not even blaming my team. Also, probably that might even be like a Target decision. Right. Like, and like, is Target going to email the publisher? Right. And then to email you? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's absolutely like an entity thing sometimes, too. And then also, like, yeah, this is... I totally don't blame any of that stuff on my team. I cannot imagine having to send every author in their roster, like, every single thing that they're doing all the time. Um, but I do think it's so funny because, like, it will just – it's like a jump scare. Like, when I'm when I'm searching for things or, like, whatever, and, like, my book pops up, like, in a random ad, and I'm like, oh. Oh, oh, that's um, there. Didn't know we were – yeah, I was like, didn't know we were doing this placement here. Uh, but that's fun. Like, great. Good job, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Where are we? Oh, okay. Aesthetics. Do you want to talk about aesthetics? Yeah. Um, oh, yay. I'm so excited. I was about to say, like, totally an aesthetic person for anyone who follows me, especially on Instagram. I have a background in graphic design. Um, I graduated college with a fine arts degree. And um, I actually was a creative writing major first. But MFA programs, for anyone who knows anything about them, can be kind of uh, tricky. And I just really didn't like the vibe. So I was like, let's just do a job that maybe, like, I wanted to love writing. So I was like, maybe my career to, like, keep me stable should just be something I like. But, like, it's okay if it's a job to me. So I did graphic design. And that just, like, really taught me 
so much i'm just like everything i do has to be like an aesthetic process now like it's definitely like both a visual and written thing for my books um mm-hmm. i tweeted i think you mentioned you might have saw it my um my little like mood journals and stuff i yes they're so cool yeah like um i i love collages like as a medium um and i it's so funny because i have done this my whole life um like collaging things like my grandmother who has kept every single thing I have ever done ever um but she's so sweet but she we just have boxes of my stuff from growing up and collages like come up regularly like it's always been my thing and now um everyone's doing like mood boards they're calling them mood boards and stuff now but like it's just like definitely like this like collage effect that's come out like aesthetically and I'm like I love this I'm so glad we're all on the same page they're awesome they're so cool it's so much fun I love them so much so for anyone who doesn't know what exactly an aesthetic is and why they're helpful and like what's the difference between it and like a mood journal yeah (laughs) um okay I find aesthetics to be like sort of the brand of like either the person creating them or um the project you're working on right like I definitely I feel like it just kind of all encompasses like not just those mood board pieces but like the atmospheric like vibe of the projects I'm working on or like things like that so when I do like the journals I do one for every single project I write I literally have so many um but it's just like I'm really trying to like visually capture what I want the book to feel like when you're reading um I've been told it's it might be like some sort of like synesthesia like some sort of like branch of that by some people like that's kind of like what they um can compare it to like when I read words like the like vibe the music the stuff that's like in my head when I'm like writing that all kind of goes hand in hand and I feel like it is because of like my art training for sure um like I was just trained to like the whatever piece you're making there's like a certain like atmosphere you want surrounding it so I feel like that's always like what aesthetic is to me as far as like writing goes you know, like not every, like my journals are so messy, like not every page is like super pretty or anything like that. But it's like, I feel like they're all written so vastly differently depending on the project. Like A Ruinous Fate was, it, it's very like, um, like forest and like moody and like this sort of like feeling like of uh, trying to like untangle things. And then like I have another project I'm working on, which is um, it's a horror romance. And the way that the journals are even like written and stuff the vibes are just like completely different because it's just like a different mood oh that's so cool yeah I'm with you I love having the the music going like I get playlists for each of my my projects going and yes I have character walls yes I love that yes (laughs) that's so cool I love it exactly you get it yeah oh I so get it uh, I know. That's why I was like, oh, we have to talk about this. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love it so much. It's so much fun. Also, I think I think it's like every time I find a person who like does that too, like the character boards and stuff, I'm like, okay, kindred spirit, because I cannot imagine yes. writing a book without it. Do you have any tips for like choosing an aesthetic layout and like choosing your photos? And you also like quotes and I see quotes done really nicely sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Any tips for that? Um. So I honestly... I will just, when I have, like, something in my head, I love Pinterest so much Mm -hmm. Um, because I like that it it will, like, lead you into a rabbit hole if you just keep clicking on (laughs) things. So, like, I'll I'll literally just put everything, like, in one new Pinterest board and then um, 
I'll go through like poems or like my favorite, like just like my favorite places to pull quotes. Lots of Taylor Swift lyrics, like everywhere all the time. And then, or like book quotes that have like given me the vibe I'm looking for, um, other music and stuff. And then I'll compile it. And I personally will just start like cutting things away that I'm like, this isn't exactly the vibe I'm going for until like what I have left is like exactly what I'm trying to capture. I use a lot of like movies and media too because I feel like there there are certain scenes that like just perfectly capture like feelings that I'm going for for certain chapters just in the most random places um literally I was watching has any does anyone know the movie Monte Carlo with Selena Gomez I do know that movie actually okay. yes. <laughs> I was really I love watching like really cheesy teen like movies my They're favorite fun. thing on the planet yes. yes and so I was watching it um like back when I was writing um a project and there's this like one scene where she has to be like, I'm bored, I want to dance. And she just grabs the, like, love interest and just pulls him. And I'm like, how... Like, I literally saved that screen grab because I was just like, that elicits a feeling in me that I feel like would be really fun for, like, a like a trope or a relationship later on. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the most random place for me to find that. But, like, I'll do, I'll do that all the time. Oh, that's awesome. I should do that more often. I'm usually so into whatever I'm watching. I don't think to do that, but... Um... That's, yeah, that's I, super smart. I, I wish I could be that way now. I swear I can't, like, um, my partner complains all the time because I cannot watch media without, like, looking for things now because <laughs> I'm, like, in the thick of writing all the time, but mm-hmm. it used to not be like that. <laughs> I do that, too. I, I'm less, like, I usually go with words, so, like, if I see something, I'll usually just go and get my notebook and just go jot it down real quick. Yes. You've gotten some art commissions as well. Yes done do you have any like advice for finding the right artist i would send like i have a pdf form with every like each page has every single thing about every character you could possibly want including reference images and stuff and then what happened was with the art i commissioned um i've had some like amazing artists uh for this project for like my pre-order sales and it was just a lot of like trial and error and learning and getting responses <laughs> and I found um my favorite uh Rosalind Arts um and I just randomly like was going through things because it was like I swear I need an artist with commissions open like this will be the one that'll be like yes I'll commission your characters <laughs> and she was just the sweetest human being on the entire planet and she was so excited about my characters and like bringing them to life and stuff I did like a little thing um with her just like character mood boards to kind of like when I announced the book that I could like post to people and people were so excited about them they loved her art style so much and I did too and working with her was so easy I was like okay this is a partnership I really want to like cultivate like this artist like care like you know what I mean like um someone who like cares about like what you're doing responding yeah. and I was like okay I'm gonna keep this going and so I did like a bigger piece with her and it was just like the best experience and um she just like her style just captured like the style that I was going for for my book and I've been so lucky to work with like some really great pre-order artists um like the art I got I literally I can't even believe it it's so pretty it's so pretty your characters just all come alive on the little cards and yeah they're so pretty I appreciate it I'm so excited about them thank you it's really cool because your cover is gorgeous but it's really cool to see thank you the other characters that are in your novel as 
well beforehand. Yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah, I know, especially because it's like an ensemble cast. And so, I mean, Kala, like over the years of writing the book, definitely became like the pivotal character. Um, I feel like every book definitely has one, even if it's an ensemble. Mm-hmm. But it's like so nice to see the others shine because they're equally as part of like the overall like story of the series so I'm I'm just like yes like everyone appreciate like all of my children yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that um you actually just jumped right on into ensemble cast do you want to do it yeah do you want to do it yes okay. um do you want to for anyone who doesn't know tell everyone what that means yeah so um to me ensemble cast means that you have Um, at least three characters that have equal stakes and um, plot motivation as all the rest um, that's carrying a story. So it's, mine has eight. (laughs) Oh, wow. Do you have eight point of views as well? I don't. Yes, oh but God. some I, I I it's so funny. Like when you read the book, the book's in third person. I love a third person ensemble. I feel like it's so much easier, both as a writer and a reader, to keep track of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But like it's some have more than others, especially in this first one, and they each kind of like pick up more and more as the series goes on. So like for Aruna's fate, Kala definitely is like the pivotal character, like I mentioned. So she has the most um her and That makes sense. Yeah. But then as you go on, like, you see, like, there's, there are, like, snippets and pieces from each character. So it's, it's definitely, like, going to be kind of an equal playing field by the time we get to, like, the latter half of the series and stuff, which is really exciting for me because I love them all so much. Um, and it never gets boring that way, but. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's super (laughs) exciting. Um, I've seen a few that I really loved that had a lot of characters like a surprising number of characters but yeah some of them they they do they their point of view isn't necessarily interspersed it's not like here's these eight and then here's these eight and then here's these eight and then here's these eight throughout right what are some of your favorite other books with ensemble cast okay i love uh the raven cycle a lot i consider that an ensemble cast um just because i think every single one of those characters has equal stakes in the books um even though the pivotal character would be like Blue or Gansey, right? Um, I, I would still consider that an ensemble, which is so much fun because I feel like everyone's definition is like slightly different or like the way they, not even that, but like the way they utilize it is slightly different. So um, I think like Six of Crows is super popular. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that is like a great example of something that's definitely like opened up that ensemble cast for like the genre and stuff and um kind of made it like repopular a little bit so yeah definitely I love Inej so much yeah <laughs> also like I I would say like Ember in the Ashes like books like that um incredible fantasy series epic um I would I say even that has like a little bit of an ensemble element too because we really there's like what like four characters I can think of that like really have important stakes in that series and stuff and I love that yeah yeah those are all really good examples I cannot what is the one I'm thinking of when you were talking about eight um <laughs> is it I was about to say is it like um there's like it's a big series uh, what is it called 
I think it's probably Fallen Kingdoms, maybe. Oh yes, great. You know what? Morgan Rose. I think there's six yes. books, which helps yes. with a, the huge cast. But um, no, you're so right. Um, actually, my best friend Elba loves those books. Um, and she's actually the reason I read them. I'm obsessed with them. I want to reread them, but I just haven't had the time. <laughs> yes, yes. That is a phenomenal example of an ensemble cast, too. Exactly. And I feel like, I mean, like, it's always prevalent in fantasy. Like, I, you know, like, I feel like all of them have kind of kept that going on. And I was just like, I want more. Like, I love the idea that there's someone for everyone to identify with, especially because, like, growing up, there was, like, I might get, like, a sliver of a character that, like, shared my identity or, like, life experience and stuff. So I feel like when you give people, like, such a robust cast, it's like, okay, there's someone, like, for everybody, like, or you hope to be, there would be, so. Yeah, you're definitely a lot closer than just having one character. Right, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. What are some challenges that you've, based writing an ensemble cast I mean it is a lot of people to juggle yeah so first of all the fact that none of them want to do what I want them to do um it's like (laughs) it's definitely it's sort of like um finding there's like a couple like finding the root of why they're all together why they work together like the chemistry between all of them like whether it's like good or bad I feel like chemistry is like has to be there no matter what the relationship or like how the characters feel about each other um and then like also just making sure each of them definitely feels like an individual like in the whole picture because you definitely don't want to like keep writing the same archetype or like the same character with a different name or like you know different appearance so making making sure that each person really felt like their own person they had their own background and their own wants and the goals like not all of my characters have the same goals or like even want the same future as each other but they're kind of like brought together by like extenuating circumstances or like their relationships with other characters but you know it's 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 a mess to be honest but I love that Mm. (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing I love more than like a messy book if I'm being so honest um but yeah so it's definitely just that making sure they're individuals and then also making sure each of them have chemistry with each other like even characters that hate each other have chemistry you know I love when characters come together and they shape each other's lives and then sometimes they continue on together and sometimes they part ways and it's all good but yeah I love all that yes a thousand percent I'm I'm a big proponent of some people are supposed to be in your lives for a certain amount of time not all the time um or like people like friends are seasonal sometimes and it's I I don't think that makes them any less important in um shaping who you are or like your entire life's journey like they're still like a very important person but they're just not meant to be there forever or anything like that so I love I love that an ensemble cast allows you to explore that too because with smaller casts I couldn't I can't like get rid of everybody or like not everyone can like <laughs> separate or split up because then who's left <laughs> there's nobody there yeah <laughs> oh that's funny um do you have any tips or tricks in terms of making sure everybody gets the attention that they need and like I feel like balance is especially when you have some that have more scene time and some of them that have less scene time um yeah how do you go about finding the balance that that makes the most sense it's really like the beats of the <laughs> the book that I'm currently writing um because like not necessarily everyone like will get the same amount of screen time but you definitely want to make sure they're all developed 
the same amount, right? Mm-hmm. So I will just say, for me, when I was writing Aruna's Fate, what I did was actually, Kala and Ezra, who are two of the love interests, they start out having a history, like having a background together when the book opens, like very first scene. And so when, if Ezra, like, you know, Kala has more screen time with Gideon or like other characters, it's okay because I wanted to establish like they already had their growth together or like the first part of their growth together. So it's like I can focus a little less maybe on their relationship and the reader will still get the hint. So I can focus on developing new characters in her life. Um, And I kind of do that like with everybody. Like there's um, like Caspian and Kestrel and Gideon have like this very robust history and background together. And I like introduce that way, like the language that they use together, the familiarity that's like on the page. That way when Kestrel and Caspian don't get as much screen time in this first book as they will in the rest of the series they feel just as developed as like Hannah and Delphine and Kala's friendship who you see a lot more on page right so I yeah it's just like hidden beats like that like give and take um like if I know like oh Kestrel's only gonna get like one POV chapter in this book I'm gonna make sure when other characters are talking about him or when he's introduced like the familiarity is like really established that makes a lot of sense I love establishing history before you get to the You have a lot of work to do when characters first meet each other as far as any kind of building anything. There's so much work to do. Yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. Oh my gosh. And you know, I, I mean, there are absolutely examples, um, of like, um, you're never the first to do anything, but there's like not a ton of like exes or like um or like people with past relationships and stuff like when a book opens a a lot of books are like meeting and I love those books too but I was like I love the the drama of having exes and like someone that like they already know each other and then I also like uh meeting the love interest for the first time moment so I was like I'm just gonna give everyone both of those things I love it oh (laughs) I'm so excited oh yay okay that sounds so fun You want to do some querying questions? Sure. Yes. Okay. So you have really good stats on your website. Mm -hmm. But one thing I noticed is that you had written a couple different books and then you had waited. And this was the first book that you queried. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discipline in that, which is awesome. And there's a lot of growth in that too. Uh, Yeah. So how did you know, like, this is the book you wanted to query that this was the one that you were going to pursue and like also what kind of things did you learn working on the other books and like what kind of projects like led you to a ruinous fate before you decided to pursue it yeah okay so this is and I apologize a couple parter like of a question also I think my dogs are barking I am so sorry okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they are but it's fine. Yeah. they're cute hi puppies <laughs> They, they love to sing. Um, yeah. Okay. So this, um, yeah, this, oh, I am so sorry. I think my partner might have just gone home cause I can just hear them. Okay. We're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this, this question has a couple parts. Um, there's like several things about like me as a person and then also like just the project itself. And it's so, I just want to say like, so circumstantial for every single person of knowing when you're ready. Like mm-hmm. there's no right way to write a book. There's no right way to like query or get into this industry like to be totally honest sometimes you just gotta claw your way in because it's it's a very very harsh 
industry um and there's a lot keep clawing yeah there's a lot of things (laughs) that play into that but um so the first being um I knew I so I'm OCD for a little bit of background um I've lived with pretty severe OCD since I was like six and one of my things is that I cannot do anything if I think I'm going to fail at it it's like constant likely on my mind so like I I will like absolutely run myself into the ground like perfecting a project or anything I do which is not healthy um but unfortunately did play a little bit of a role in like when I knew I was going to query because other books that I had this has been definitely the longest project I've worked on um the original entity that Aruna's Fate was um started when I was like 16 oh wow yeah I've come back to these characters over and over again throughout the years but their plot was never right like the thing that held the plot together has changed so much so many times over the years and I had written other projects and I think I always knew at the end of all those projects that my craft was still not there um which is something I kind of learned from being an artist like every like every piece that you make is integral to like being the artist you're going to become but isn't necessarily like your destination or what you want to put out and I knew that like my craft on those books were just not good and I just kept revisiting these other characters and I think ultimately what happened was um COVID happened and I had a lot of time to myself um as many of us did and I sat in my house and something happened that gave me inspiration for the plot and I was like I don't think anyone's really ever done this before um like magic dice that decide your fate um we're big board game people yeah that's really cool yes and it was I was like I don't believe I don't believe that specific like point was like something I had seen and it finally the plot like came together for these characters that I've been wanting and I was like this is a representation of every facet of my personality like this book and I was like this is what I want people to get to know me as because I think as authors and artists you don't get to choose your magnum opus I think the consumers of whatever you're creating ultimately get to decide that for you Um, But what I can choose is how I introduce myself to the world. And I really had always felt, I knew like going back to these characters, Kala's journey, the reason I could never fully write it is because I wasn't done growing. Like I couldn't, I hadn't finished getting through what she goes through in the book um, myself Mm -hmm. yet. And when I finally like went through that as a person, it finally all came together. And I was like, this is what I want people to see me as first um yeah it's like even if it's not my magnum opus or the most successful thing I ever do it was like this is my true introduction I think um so I knew then I was like this is the book I wanted to query I always went back to it and I knew my craft was finally at a place that I was like I could get an agent with this the ones before that I was like just beat I was like no it's not there scrap it throw it away like keep going and it's not that I like won't even read those ideas like I never believe books are shelved forever but I think I made the right decision like I think my instincts obviously did lead me I mean it seemed to work out pretty well so yeah (laughs) yeah um so it's it's kind of like one of those things that it's like having like the disorder that I have it's like I wouldn't wish it on anybody or like necessarily or um sometimes I don't handle it very well but also like it's me it's like a very integral part of like my brain and how I think and 
it's definitely the reason that the process worked for me the way that it did highs and lows so it's like you know we're here we're we're doing it (laughs) (laughs) so you've been working on this project for a while and obviously revising it throughout once you signed with your agent what kind of revisions did you end up doing before you went on submission so my agent um she's incredible she she didn't have a ton of things for me um I think a big reason she did pick this book is probably because I edited to god to death before I like (laughs) queried and so she was like this is like almost submission ready honestly the biggest thing we revised was a relationship point there's a very pivotal points between um because I always say like to me the series is going to end up being romanticy adventure like yeah I am a big proponent of equal fantasy and romance that's the kind of writer and reader I am it's just it is um and like the way the characters developed were it had to be perfect um to get across like the overarching like themes and what happens to the characters and there was this one very pivotal scene between um Kellen Ezra actually and she was like we need to make this absolutely like just so strong like this one point in the book and so um she sent me all of her notes and I edited for about two weeks like specifically that and for this one scene that's amazing this one scene and I was like really built it out and I think that's a big part of like what sold the book in the end because that relationship between Kellen and Ezra affects every other relationship that she has in the book. Um, and it's still one of my favorite little moments because it's like, and, and things, things still changed with my editor, but yeah, that I would say that's probably like really the only big thing. And the thing is, it's different for everyone. Um, like I know people who like their agents were like, Oh, this is sub ready now. And they just Mm -hmm. went on sub and they got book deals. I know people who like edited, their books before going on sub for literal months years a lot yeah and they did and you know like those were success stories too but it's just I think every manuscript is in a different place and also like my advice is always ask the agent like are you signing me on for my like ideas and like the um like the bones of the story or like because you think this book is ready to sell immediately and neither answer is wrong it's just like they're different and it depends on what kind of revisions go into it right yeah and what kind of time you're looking at yeah a lot of that deals with like your vision for it too and like Mm -hmm. especially if they want a lot bigger changes like are you ready for those Uh, right and do you want them yeah exactly especially multiple offers situation right like some agents that's I'm like it's always a good question to ask because some agents are very like vision oriented and like your overarching career and like your future projects as well not just that current one and some agents are like very like editorial and like they they want this specific project right now and like to see where you go together um and I just think yeah like everyone's preferences are like different for that so yeah and every author is gonna you know some authors are gonna work really well with one type some authors are gonna work really well with another type yeah Mm -hmm. a thousand percent so you got a lot of bites when you were querying you got a good request rate rate Mm -hmm. both from querying and you got some pitch requests as well from some twitter pitch events so do you have any tips for like making your query letter stand out and your first pages because i feel like a lot of querying submissions 
with agents usually involve some pages. Uh, yeah, both of those elements are super important. So I always give a disclaimer um, about my querying journey because it's definitely an anomaly. Um, it was very, very fast and it was it was a mixture of things. It was, but it wasn't your first book either. No, I, it wasn't. And and like, yeah, like going back into that, like, like perfecting this book to know because like I, I was just like, I... I don't think I'm the kind of person who could have handled being on like on in the querying trenches for that long. I wouldn't even call it giving up. I would have just been like, this isn't for me right now. And I would have moved mm-hmm. on to something else. Cause like, I'm, I'm just, I love to constantly be working on stuff. So I knew I was like, if I'm going to do this, like it's going to have to work or like, it just isn't this season of my life. Um, and it's, that's a different journey for everybody. Right. Like, um, it's a very, very personal journey. So I, was like okay I want this to go so well so I definitely like kind of put my best foot forward I researched querying first of all since I was like 13 um I found okay because I read I read City of Bones back in the day and the author Cassandra Clare used to have this page on her website that I had bookmarked um on every computer in my household and I would just open it and it was how to get a book published because it was like I'm going to do this someday don't know when but it's gonna happen and so I've been knowing about like querying forever so it's like and then when I was like okay we're gonna query this book I did like just absolute wild amount of research like I watched every single YouTube video available to me I looked up sample queries um I look like I was reading blogs and blogs and blogs about people's stats like it just I had excel spreadsheets and like this the thing is this is not what made me successful it just I feel like made me prepared Mm -hmm. for like what I was getting myself into like my query letter could have still been bad um, like if you, if you don't do all that research, it's, that doesn't mean you're not going to get an agent. It's just like how I worked. So I, I feel like I had, I was like, okay, I did my due diligence. Let me, let me get to this part. And really <laughs> what made my query stand out, I think is I am very, very good at pitches. Um, and I focused mostly on my stakes of my book and then my sample pages were very strong. Every single query I sent out was incredibly customized to that agent. I spent a lot of time and I think that's also why I got a lot of bites because every agent's manuscript wish list, I would pull two things from it and what they were asking for and I would whatever two elements they were looking for, I would directly pulse extract something from my own book and be like, "I saw that you liked blank and blank. My book has blank and blank." Um and every single query letter and so it's like I I knew I was taking it directly from like their own mouth and like (laughs) like relating it to my story um I also never queried agents that had anything similar to me which is a very hard thing to do um for a lot of people so I want to say that definitely comes from a position of like privilege and stuff like in some cases and um like like if they had queer things in their list I it's not that I wouldn't query my book like I absolutely queried plenty of agents that had like other queer stories and stuff I just made sure like my stakes were different from the stakes so like if they had if they had certain books that was like really about like coming into their queer identity my book doesn't do that everyone's like established very queer on page from the get-go so I was like okay like I'll go into that lane because publish like everyone always told me like publishing so competitive like you, no one wants the same book twice and stuff and um it's 
that's a really, really hard, tough thing to do, like mentally too. So like preparing myself for that. And I think just overall, like focusing mostly on the stakes of my book and my query letter that were different from other things that they had um, is what got me the most bites. Because it's not, like I said, it's not that my book, they didn't have things with similar elements to my book. Because when you like to read something, you like to read that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't get enough witch books. Um, a thousand percent. My agent loves witches and things like that. I knew she was perfect for me. But what I did was I didn't highlight anything in my query letter that was anywhere similar to any other book she already had. I highlighted everything that was exactly different. Oh, uh, okay. Did any of that make sense? <laughs> That actually, did, that's really interesting. Okay, no, that's really smart. So you looked at her wish list and you looked at her client list and you said, okay, here's what she has. Here's what she's looking for. I've got some similar things to that, but here's the things that she doesn't have yet that'll add nicely. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So it's like when she opened it up, it wasn't like, oh, like another bisexual witch fantasy. It's like, even if she had already had that, that's not what I would have highlighted because I would have known she'd already had that. So I just was like, here are all the other things that make my book really cool. And then when she reads a sample and automatically requests the full and reads that, she'll realize like, oh, maybe some of these elements are the same, but this one is different and I like this as well. So it's like, I, I always say like, kind of like play to your strengths and your query letter and your Twitter pitches um because I think there are so many books that it's like really hard to condense stuff into just a query letter or a pitch pitches are especially hard they're so tiny yeah and it's like making sure that um your stakes are definitely the most important thing in my opinion um every pitch that ever did good for me was because my stakes were at the forefront and my pitch is actually what how my agent requested me so I technically got her from the pitch event And then, like, also, yeah, just, like, making sure whatever was in it was just, I was highlighting, like, those very, like, different aspects and not maybe going into too much detail about, um, like, the growth and the queerness and, like, the metaphorical aspects of it because she will get that when we talk, and she did. And she'll get it when she reads, too, yeah. Exactly. So it's, like, it's it sucks, but it's almost, like, because publishing is a business, I always say, like, sometimes just make your book very commercially sellable to draw like to hook and then when they're hooked you're like this is why this book is very important and like why I'm the person to tell the story so what do you focus on in your pitch in your tiny 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 little pitch (laughs) I know especially when you have an ensemble cast did you not even focus on them I can't I don't think you could I don't even know if you could get everybody's name in that oh no okay I will I will tell everyone my pitch tips I usually give away um I'll do pitch critiques before a lot of Twitter pitch events I've had to slow down a little bit because my life is so hectic but um it's like one of those things that like when you learn how to query and when you learn how to pitch successfully hopefully you're not doing those things anymore and then it's like where does this go so it's like I will try to help anyone else that I can as much as possible because I'm like otherwise I have these two talents that like are useless to me now um so (laughs) my pitching strategy um I have a couple of things I know comps are a huge thing but I think comps are very limited especially to marginalized authors Mm -hmm. everyone wants comps but when you're when you're a marginalized author especially like um BIPOC authors which like these cultural backgrounds like there I'm sorry there are not books for them to comp or like medium 
a lot of time they're paving their own pathway in publishing and we need those stories and I think it's unfair to like limit them to two comps so in my opinion I cut the comps um I think that takes up character space that to be honest I don't think you really need um I've I've never seen any agent turn down someone because they didn't have comps so that's my first thing that's fair it's like um in my opinion I I always tell people like you need more characters to tell the meat of your story I'd rather you hook them with your story than hook them with someone else's so and then I always say my rule of thumb including in a query is you get one place name and you get two character names max. I feel like three names, like a setting and two characters are a lot to already kind of for the agent to remember or anybody, like literally, you know, um, especially like even like on book flaps, like I don't want to like even my um, copy, you really only hear about Kala and Ezra in the copy because it's just, it's, it's too, it's too much for people to like mentally remember and stuff especially yeah in such a short amount of space right so i'm like if if just like keep that to like the bare minimum i say like two names is really a good sweet spot so when i pitched mine it was all about kala and her stakes um and everyone else's you'll find out when you read the book sort of situation so it was definitely like i asked myself like what are What's the biggest element in my book that makes it stand out? And it's the magic dice choosing her fate. And um, the stakes of that is if, like, she rolls the wrong number, really, really bad things happen. Um, Like, she can start an entire war. Like, so um, I did that and I just did kind of different iterations of that. And what I did was I did a fantasy edit. So it was, um, it was just Kala and her, and like the fantasy world stakes, which was the dice and the fate. I did a romance edit, which was about Kala um, needing help on this adventure. And the help that she gets is from her ex-boyfriend's hot older brother. And then I did an adventure edit. Um, so it's, I did an edit where she, it tells you that she has to go into a demonic sentient forest to reset her fate so it's kind of like it was something for different for everybody that's really smart that's super smart especially on the like pitch events where you can post multiples through the day that's genius okay i'm gonna think about that if i ever get brave enough to enter a pitch yes (laughs) and you know what's so no okay exactly and you should you know what i tell everyone you really you really just should yes give people advice on this yes um because i was really nervous i did dv pit and um it was in a point where i was like am i queer enough to do this and even asking myself that question i was like f that yes like that's like, yes, um, I have a very queer book. I'm like, yes, I'm queer enough to like pitch. Like, I'm just going to go for it. And it's what got me my agent. And so I'm like, the thing is, it's Twitter. The tweets are deletable, you know, like protect your mental health. Like, I understand like not getting likes and stuff. It's like a very hard thing to do. But I'm like, you can just delete it and pretend it didn't happen. But it's like, put yourself out there. And like, you never know. I mean, if nobody liked it, it didn't happen. Right. And then if a lot of people saw it and you get agent likes from it, it's like, that's like the good part of it. So yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give everyone your best advice for protecting their mental health while querying or on submission? Because that sucks. Oh, I know. It's, um, God, I don't even know if there is any good (laughs) advice to be totally honest. Um, 
Yeah, it's definitely like person to person. I will say I I just threw myself headfirst into other things. Um, cause if I distract it and I forget about it, I'm fine. When I didn't query for very long, so I can't speak too much about the trenches. I have seen it though through my friends and my heart definitely goes out to everybody because, um, I think the worst part of that is you see people, they've been in the trenches for so long and you're so happy when they finally get an agent, uh-huh. but it's also hard to watch them slowly realize that that is not the end of it at all like yeah that's like a you know and it's like that's it's to start over again it's so hard truly i don't know if i'd have the strength to like query with the um like the sort of climate that the industry is in right now because it's really slow yeah it's everything it's like even even author like books everything is so slow um so I I would say, yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much advice for that. It's just like definitely absolutely like listen to yourself and your burnout and making sure that like like you're not miserable every second. Like you're not you're not your book. Like your worth does not come from whether or not you have an agent or you're getting agented quickly or slowly. Um like time honestly doesn't matter. Sometimes sometimes right place right time and I mean that so sincerely some paths are really slow and some paths are really fast yeah and a lot of times it does not that has absolutely no effect on how your book is even going to sell once it's out like it's so unpredictable sometimes so yeah just you're like that's my biggest thing like you are not your book like your worth does not come from this like one book like your your worth as a person and like sometimes like your book's not getting picked up does not even mean your writing is bad or your book is bad um this industry sucks to be totally honest it really sucks there's too many books there's too many writers there's not enough agents and editors and people publishing them yeah Yeah. and so it's yeah it's just it's one of those things and then submission oh my gosh I you can do this differently especially per agent you have I told my agent I did not want to hear a single thing back unless it was good news because if I wasn't getting regular updates, I could forget about it. And I was not on submission for very long. Again, a lot of a lot of my stuff was right place, right time. There's like a little bit of privilege in there too. Um, like my position in this industry and like things like that. So I, I always say not to necessarily look at my exact journey, but I will say like um submission is hard no matter what. Like just because you get to acquisitions doesn't mean you'll get through acquisitions. It's a very tough mental state to be in. So for me, I was just like, I want to forget about it. Like, I don't want to remember that I'm even on submission. Don't tell me anything. So she didn't. She never updated me. I did not hear about my passes, rejections. Um, I only heard when I got my offers. Um, and that worked very well because then I started other books and other projects. And I was la-di-da. And then when I got that call, it was like the best day of my whole life. It was just really exciting. Yay. And you didn't have a bunch of downers beforehand. Yeah. Truly. Now, some people can't do that. They, like, need to know, and I respect that, Um, but I would say that if you're becoming obsessive with, like, needing to know and stuff, like, just, like, reflecting, like, making sure, like, you're not making yourself miserable, you know what I mean? Um, It's because it's really hard. It is. But, yeah, I feel the same way about authors, like, looking at reviews and stuff, like, you know, like, sometimes it's really, really, really hard not to, but also, like, don't make yourself miserable. Like, there's no reason to, you know? Like... No. Um, so, yeah. 
I, and sadly, it's really easy to make yourself miserable. Yeah. Like, genuinely. And my, um, I think my advice on my website for so long, because I used to get so many questions about it, is just, like, just be incredibly kind to yourself um, and what you're capable of. And, like, the thing is, it's it's going to be okay. Like, if it's not this book, it could be another one. And I know that's so much easier to say when you're on this side of it. Like, um, but... Even when I was there, I was just like, if it's not the time, it's going to be fine. Like, I'll do it eventually. Like, I wasn't super worried about it. But it's hard. It's so hard. And I I feel for everybody. Like, my heart goes out to everybody. <sighs> you know, one thing I've learned that's really interesting from doing these podcasts and talking to everybody, even from your story about A Ruinous Fate, is that you just said sometimes it's not this book, but it might be the next book. But also sometimes it might be this book later. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of times that, you know, I've heard of an author shelving a book for a while. Even You kind of came back to it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard of other people that will they finish it, it sits for a couple of years, and then they're like, oh, and now it's sold. Yep. So. No, it's so true. I am a big proponent because I, I have heard um, or like seen tweets and people are like, oh, I have to solve this project. I'm so heartbroken. I'm like, hey, that project's not dead. It's just... It's, it's right there. Yeah. It's right there. It's just put away from now. It's sleeping. Exactly. It's hibernation. Because I've had friends who, like, will be on sub and their book dies on sub. So they'll write another book and that one gets through. And as soon as that one gets through, that book that died on sub will get through as their option book. Or, like, mm-hmm. like nothing's ever dead, in my opinion. The only person who can kill it is you. Yeah. Exactly. Because, so while I was on Sub for Ruinous Fate, the, even the little time it was on, like, I threw myself headfirst into this other project, um, which I still love so much. I love that book. I got, like, 80,000 words in. My agent loved it, but both of us were just, like, it needs so much work. It was originally, I wanted it to be a standalone because I didn't want to write two um, series at once. And that concept did come back. Like, the book I'm writing right now that isn't part of the Ruinous Fate series is a standalone. Like, I stand by that. But that particular project needed to be a series. Like, it was just very clear. Like, that was not a standalone book. The one I'm writing now is. But I was like, that's going to take so much work to undo. So I'm not even... I was like, I'm not even going to bother with that. Um, So, like, I shelved it. But, like, I think about it all the time. And I've even used a few pieces that I was very, very fond of in other places. And when I revisit that, like, it'll definitely, like, kind of morph into something else. But I was like, it's never... Even if it doesn't... I have still gotten out of it what I need to get out of it. Like the pieces that I've pulled from it or like just learning more like craft. You do. You learn a lot with each uh, project and you grow a lot. Yeah, for sure. Like the I learned so much about pacing, like the fact that I could even recognize that that was not supposed to be a standalone book. Like the pacing was off was like a very nice moment for me because I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm growing as a writer. Like I recognize that this needs to be extended. Like the pacing is bad. And I was like, that's a nice lesson. That's not necessarily something you would have recognized a couple books back, I guess. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So for sure. Uh, yeah. That's such good advice. Nothing's ever dead. It is. It's good. And it's true too. It's super true. I, honestly, it's pretty common, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, I feel like, um, it's it's always so funny to see like where books come from when authors talk about it. It's my favorite thing ever because it's like sometimes the journey is just very strange. Yeah, like and that's yeah. It's and I I think that's so fun. I'm like it could happen different every time. You know, they are all different. I love that. Okay, y'all. That's it for part one of episode eleven. As always, I've got all the Kaylee links and the content list in the show notes page of my website, linked below. 
Don't forget to check out the second half of my interview with Kaylee, where we'll discuss bullet point plotting, writer's block as a symptom, the inspiration behind a ruinous fate, and you'll get a sneak peek excerpt from chapter two read by Kaylee. Thanks so much for joining us.